s s s s e e e e q q q q u u u u e e e e l l l l sequel cast. We got 31 stab wounds. What was it? Ice pick. Speak to Miss Catherine Tremel, please. Is she your suspect? She's a suspect. I wanted to write a book about the murder of a retired rock and roll star. You know how she does the boyfriend? With an ice pick. She intended the book to be her alibi. I picked him up, and I had sex with him. You didn't feel anything for him, you just had sex with him for your book. In the beginning. Then I got to like what he did for me. You like playing games, don't you? It's nice. You've got no physical evidence. She's lying. What's your new book about? A detective who falls for the wrong woman. What happens? She kills him. Stay away from her! You are out of control, Kurt. You won't learn anything I don't want you to know. She knew I'd say she did it, and she knew that nobody would buy it. She is screwing with your head, Nick! She knows things about me that I only told you. How does it feel to kill someone? You tell me. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show where we talk about movies in a franchise one movie at a time. Uh, we d- just finished up talking about Mad Max movies over the past few weeks, and now we're starting to talk about Basic Instinct, which had a sequel. But this time we're talking about the first one. Uh, I'm Matt. With me is Sabrina. Hello. And special guest, Robert Wagner. Uh, good afternoon and morning and, and evening. So, Basic Instinct... It's a movie that was controversial at the time, and uh, it's a movie my dad wanted to show me for the first time when I was in second grade. Second grade? Yeah, he saw it in the theater with my mom, and he comes home and says, well, we saw this movie that was really good. I want you to see it, Matt, but I don't think your mom will let me. What? <laughs> you wow. were in second grade? That would make you, what, like eight? Like eight or nine, yeah. Oh, my God. Huh. I f- well, feel a little disturbance in the well, forest you know, now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> at the time, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the film. I mean, yeah. like a lot. And, and so, yeah, I know that it actually uh, kind of piqued the curiosity of a lot of people that didn't really realize, myself included, because I was a bit young to really understand what everybody was protesting. Hmm. And even after I went to see it, I left the theater and didn't really understand what people were protesting. And anymore, I, I do. I finally get it. But we've also moved on as a society, at least in the U.S., to the point where some of the things that maybe they were uh, upset about when it first came out no longer seem particularly upsetting anymore. Yeah, they're like commonplace. <laughs> yeah, but um, at the time it was um, at least um, around where I lived, I know that there was three or four theaters that were being uh, picketed by um, like le- various lesbian coalitions and things like that because it, it, the film itself painted lesbianism in a bad light, or mm-hmm. you know, so they thought at the time. But at the time, I really had no clue what a lesbian was, so... <laughs> you know, you kind of naturally want to go to these things. And well, who are these people? And what is their problem with this film? And it was, you know, Michael Douglas, who um, I had seen a couple years earlier and like romancing the stone and stuff. So I associated him as being an action hero. And you kind of start to wonder, well, how does Michael Douglas piss off so many lesbians? Oh, my. Even though you don't know what a lesbian is. Right. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. So even though I, I heard about this when I was in second grade from my dad, I didn't actually see it until I was in high school. Oh, if, thank God. Okay. Right. But it was something where we rented it and watched it at home. And watching that kind of movie with your parents in the same room is awkward, to say the least, or it was for me. A little bit. Uh, I could see just that. Slightly. Yeah. 
So they, uh, is this something that your dad finally picked out and said, hey, let's watch this? Or did you, I think like, so. how I did mean, that I happen? I remember my dad telling me the reason he likes the Basic Instinct so much is he considered it to be like a softcore pornography film you could see in a real movie theater. And to him, that was something exciting, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, he saw things like uh, Deep Throat or something back in the theater in the 60s, 70s, whenever that was. So I guess this was, I, I don't know. He got a thrill out of the, by today's standards, mild eroticism of basic instinct. But but I mean, the fact that he like, that it was like considered a family movie, Matt, <laughs> this is a little, I mean, is this like his way of getting around having the birds and bees talk with you? I think so. I mean, granted, <laughs> this is high school. I well, mean, he's, he's just like, you know what, Matt, I can't handle this. Here, watch Bacon's Basic Instinct, kid. You'll learn everything you need to know. Uh, oh, so you got a phasey. I got Conan the Barbarian, the original Schwarzenegger. Oh, that mm. was your sex lesson? Yeah, and so you figure, okay, well, so, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, figure out all the stuff, and then you realize right afterwards, so so basically you mate with a woman, and then you dispatch her quickly with a sword. Okay, <laughs> that works. But, you know, then again, you watch this, and, you know, Basic Instinct is not exactly, um, I, I know at the time there was people who were complaining it wasn't a very good date movie. Uh, mm, for obvious reasons. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's you don't want to go home and, and you know, hey, uh, I'm going to score. Hey, I'm dead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, okay. There you go. So this was released in 92? Mm-hmm, 92. I, I mean, I wasn't really old enough to see this, but I could have. Hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> but wait, so, when you, did you actually watch the film? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I'm trying At to think time. of 92, so I, well, I'll date myself. I graduated high school in 94, so I probably could have seen this. I, I would have been in high school. Yeah, you would have had to have taken an adult or yeah, something. See, I, yeah, I would have had to have. But yeah, like my my mom wouldn't even let me watch Dirty Dancing. So, hey, there's a sequel <laughs> thing that we could do. Oh, there is, didn't yeah. they have like three of them? Yeah, there's like, two. There's Dirty Dancing and Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Oh, yeah, we should totally do that one. Oh, you're just into mm. the suffering, aren't you? Uh, I'm just, I'm <laughs> kidding people. Jesus. <laughs> no, but I mean, personally speaking, Basic Instinct, I've seen, by my estimate, over 30 or 40 times. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's in, it's in my um, top 25. Whoa. Yeah. And what is it about Basic Instinct in particular that makes you go back to the well? I think it's the whole, um, at the time, well, at the time that I really liked it, which was probably about three or four years after its initial theatrical release, it was mostly that it struck me as one of those movies that at the end, if you aren't paying really, really close attention, you aren't, every, you aren't really sure who did it. Mm-hmm. It, it sort of spells it out for you, but it's it's a good conversation starter. You actually, if if you watch it with other people, everybody seems to get something else out of it, something completely different. Mm. And so there are people who figure, well, um, you know, hey, it's actually her. Hey, no, it, it's actually the psychiatrist. Any number of things, and, and it even gets more in depth where you start to wonder who actually killed who. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. because maybe it's possible that it's more than one person was was actually you know the killer as yeah, it, as it yeah. were. so yeah. it um that is always fascinated me because of that mm-hmm. more than anything it's easily in my opinion it's um of all the michael douglas and you listed them i, I noticed in, in the notes yeah that michael douglas went, went on a streak for a long time or what seemed like a long time uh, of doing what felt like the same movie over and over <laughs> again seduction of women movies well yeah. or seduction of him mm-hmm. you know because there, right. there was the other one later with um Oh, the uh, Glenn Close Fatal no, Attraction. No. Well, that okay. was before. That was before. Oh, and it, which is not a bad movie, but everything after Basic Instinct, I felt was Disclosure. really subpar. Disclosure. Um, yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that was um, who was in that? It's Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Yeah, was in that one. Yeah, and, and 
that movie just isn't quite as good. I mean, Basic Instinct really kind of, for its time, went all out. I mean, there was more nudity in it than, than you were used to seeing in a rated R movie. And, of course, you know, uh, Paul Verhoeven, the, the director, went on to do all sorts of fun things with that and really try and push it with Showgirls. And, well, that sort of backfired. But, <laughs> you know, the, the plot of it, though, I, I thought was actually fairly good. I mean, it's, it's deep enough and has twists and turns that when I see it now, you know, 40 times later, yeah, they, they all seem really obvious to me. But, you know, the first many viewings with people... And especially as a conversation starter, it really held up. Mm-hmm. When you okay. have to keep in mind, when Basic Instinct came out, uh, you didn't have uh, TV shows like um, SVU or right. all these different Law and Order things. You didn't it, have Sex in the City. Well, not Sex in the City either, right? Right. So it was just one of those things where at the time it might have seemed unique to see that kind of story in a movie theater, but now you see a lot of similar storylines of bloody corpses and sex crimes and stuff on TV every day in those uh, drama shows. Yeah, if you, if you stop and think about what else was around in 92, mm-hmm. I mean, that was, what, right before Jurassic Park. Right. Right before everything went to a lot of very heavy, you know, CGI stuff and, and things like that. And so this was sort of one of the last, I, I think, last real murder mystery type movies that came out for quite a while. You know, mm-hmm. they, a lot of people tried to, to emulate it and copy it, but I don't think anybody actually bested it for quite a while. Yeah. Well, this one did, I mean, it did fairly decently at the box office for its, I guess for its time. It really hasn't been all that long, but, you know, when you put it into perspective, it's almost 20 years old. Yeah, I mean, at the time, its budget was $49 million. Uh, worldwide, it made $352 million. And in the U.S., it made $117 million in 92, the number nine grossing film of that year in the U.S. Number eight was Wayne's World. Sweet. And uh, below it at number 10 was A League of Their Own. And I was hmm. surprised to see the number one film of 92 was Disney's Aladdin cartoon. Oh. So so basically a cartoon bested sex. It did. That's, I mean... That's not uncommon, though. That's Disney. Yeah, I mean, that's a family film versus something rated R that already True. has a whole bunch of controversy surrounding it. When you factor that in, I think Basic Instinct did phenomenally well. Yeah, so then being the number nine film was actually a good thing. Oh, yeah. For, you know, for its time. Yeah, if only it would have beat Wayne's World, I, I would be truly happy. <laughs> I'm not a big fan, so... But no, it, you know, you can take children to Aladdin. You'll take them repeatedly because they want to go see it again. And, right. And Basic Instinct is that movie that, you know, mom and dad have to wait until there's a babysitter and then go. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't I, I think because of the age of the people in it, I don't think it was huge with um, teens either. Mm. You know, maybe they would have gone to see it because of the controversy. But Michael Douglas was, you know, kind of getting up there in years. Yeah. That's one thing that I noticed uh, within this movie that it seemed like he had. I mean. It seemed like he had a couple different looks to him. I don't know if it was just the lighting or the way that the camera angles were, but just at a couple different times in the movie, he looked really, really young. I, I, that, that's the, I, I know, <laughs> the miracle I mean, of makeup. I, I don't know <laughs> as if that's really what it what it is, because, I mean, as well, the no. movie progresses, he starts looking a little bit more haggard, obviously, because he's, like, getting his mind just blown, but... The miracle of alcohol. They explain Maybe that in the story. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's just a couple parts where I think it was just the lighting. It was just like, wow, you don't have a wrinkle on your face. And I just thought it was weird. That's all. So, hmm. yeah. Anyway. Well, you have to figure he was what? Probably mid 40s? Late mm. 40s at the time? Well, I I'm think not, I'm so. not sure how old he is now. So if you take whatever he is now and subtract 20 years, bingo, you have your age. But um, Michael Douglas was born in 1944. Hmm. hmm. So if you take 92, subtract 44. 67? Now. No. So, yeah. So yeah. he would have been late, mid-late 40s. Yeah. So. Okay. The, the other interesting thing, I think, for those of you who are really into trivia. Yeah. 
it was pretty cool to see Michael Douglas back in San Francisco. Oh. Ah, indeed. Do you know why? Yes. Why? Because I'm going to let Matt guess. (laughs) (laughs) He was uh, in a TV show that was a detective show that he co-starred in, but I do not remember the name of that TV show. The Streets of San Francisco. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, actually, what I should have said was, it was kind of cool to see Michael Douglas back on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it seems to be like, you know, just kind of an interesting little homage to his earlier career because the, the setting of the story itself in Basic Instinct doesn't really influence much of what's going on. No. I mean, it could have been set anywhere. And there's times, actually, I think, where Los Angeles may have actually suited the film better if you were really really pushing for it i don't know dude there's a whole car chase scene that did pretty well considering it was i think in san francisco you remember mm, that i yeah. mean i think that it any place else would have been a little bit more boring no they also have that that whole deal where they're going along the coast though too where you know hey malibu would have been great for that right i guess i could see that i could understand that yeah. but you know i mean it's not a movie where location is a central point of the story like mm. in some other things uh but watching this, I'm reminded, looking at Sharon Stone, if you look at how she looks uh, playing Catherine Trammell, she looks almost like fat by today's standards. Yeah. I, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, fat might be a bit strong of a word, but she has cheeks. She, she's larger than <laughs> most actresses are allowed to be in, in modern films. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, totally. And I don't think the, um, the wardrobe of the time, especially hers, mm. in certain scenes really helped. No, it made her look a lot older than she... Well, it was weird because she had actually specifically mentioned that she was 30 in the movie. That's mm-hmm. like how old she was. I don't. She was born in uh, 58. So if anybody wants to do some quick math on that. I don't. Okay. No. Um, but I, I don't... I, I would agree what, that... 34. Like mid-30s. Yeah. yeah. So I think the clothes actually made her look a lot older than she really was. Well, it, one of the things that um, they've said several times over was that the clothing was actually picked in places because it, to pay an homage to um, Alfred Hitchcock film mm. or a particular one. I can't remember which one. I okay. should have looked that up, but I didn't. Um, but, you know, modernized, obviously. But the other odd thing about it is when you think about what people were wearing in 92, you had the, the big fashion rage in a lot of places was, you know, grunge and things like that. But for older people, you know, people in their 30s, you know, that, that weren't kids that weren't paying you know attention to those particular trends, it really, they, they were still riding the, sort of the tail end of that, that 80s mm-hmm. sort of high fashion thing. And mm-hmm. that's reflected on her more than anybody. There's, most of the cops are wearing, you know, pretty typical cop, cop gear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, homicide detective gear for, you know, that people have worn for, you know, the past 40 years. I mean, that's, all of it looks the same. Right. But no, they, they, they paid special attention. I read uh, more than a few times that just to her costume. Hmm. You know, that, that that was a, a big deal that she was supposed to have a particular look and it was to be constantly changing and her hair was constantly changing. And the idea was, is that no matter what, you would find her character somewhere in the movie to be attractive. That, that if you if you liked your woman this way, you'd like this one. If you liked her this way, you'd like that one. And it was done deliberately to get every male in every movie audience hmm. to pay attention and go, oh, wow. Huh. That's very interesting. So uh, presumably even like the high pants, you know, the, the high-waisted stuff <laughs> yeah, that she was wearing. She was like wearing writer pants or something like that. It's like camel toe. Yeah, the, the, there was a few <laughs> places where it was just, nah, okay, wow. You yeah. Know? But, you know, then some of the stuff like, you know, that they're in that club mm-hmm. at one point, yeah, totally yeah. different. Oh, yeah, completely different. Well, I, I, I like the fact that I didn't know that and it, it makes total sense now. And I w- almost wonder that if they didn't do that as per her character as well, not just to get every guy in the audience to go see this, but if it didn't also have some reflection based upon her personality and her character. 
You mean it as something as maybe so, she dictated? Yeah, maybe that's something that she intended as far as like, hey, she's she's a psychologist and so she's like delving into the minds of like completely mind screwing with everybody that maybe all of that stuff wasn't intentional or built into her character in some way, shape, or form as oh, well. So you mean the character then? Yes. Well, yeah. no, 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 I mean not, not you know, Sharon Stone per se, but the character. Right, yeah. okay, yeah, because Sharon Stone's influence has been sort of uh, argued mm. quite a bit ever since. So, you know, yeah, I mean, at the say. time, Sharon Stone wasn't a big star. She might have been, you know, most well known for being uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife in Total Recall. Yeah, the, the one that got the hole in her head. Yeah. <laughs> Gets a shot right there. And, um, but I mean, since Basic Instinct, it's not like her career really took off as much afterwards as you might have think it would have. Casino and the Martin Scorsese movie, that was pretty high profile. Yeah. But I tend to, you know, end up, um, She's been in some things I've I've liked that weren't necessarily super successful. I mean, the the Quick and the Dead comes to mind. I, I mm-hmm. liked that quite a bit. Um, but then there was that a whole bunch of stuff there for a while. Wasn't she in Sphere? Yep. Which I've never seen. I don't recall. Oh yeah, it's one of those movies that you know you always see in the the five dollar DVD bins, and, and you know it's been there forever. And I you know, I'll never watch it. You know, I have a fairly good idea what it is, but it's just not something that that seems interesting. Mm-hmm. And and there was a lot of stuff like that that just yeah, somebody threw some money at it. I'm sure she did okay, and it kept her visible, but not much more. Right. Yeah, I think she's more just known as the like an AIDS activist. That's uh, that's kind of what I've seen that she's been doing for like the last 15 years. Oh yeah. wait, Catwoman. I forgot about Catwoman. Oh yeah, shit, she was that's in Catwoman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you have to bring that up? Uh, because she was, in in my opinion, just as a total aside, she was the saving point of that entire movie, if, if there was one. <laughs> okay. And that speaks volumes right there. All right. Yep. I've never seen Catwoman. I've always meant to, but Halle Berry's costume looks so ridiculous on that box. Um, <laughs> the, the I, I almost think that they've actually taken all of the footage with Sharon Stone in it and digitally enhanced it. Oh, okay. So that she has this she has this this glow to her that's very very off putting for some reason. That then while you watch it, you, you almost think that she's just entirely animated. Hmm. And I don't know if it's designed to make her look younger or if it's something they built into the character because it's it's actually about evil an evil cosmetics company. So, oh, I, I think, you know, I, I wasn't exactly sure ever at any point in the movie if it was intentional that she looked this way or not. But it, the whole thing looked extremely funny. Mm, OK. All right. Um, well, do we want to talk about her character then? I mean, we're kind of talking about Sharon Stone. Do we want to move on to character stuff a little bit? We can. I was thinking first it might be fun to uh, listen to Robert. You brought a sort of highlight reel of clips from i guess basic instinct would air on tv but it would be censored (laughs) yeah this is about um just as a note for all of the dvd features that have ever been out and this is about four (laughs) minutes long okay so bear bear that in mind um of all the dvd bonus features that have ever ever been put to disc this always stands out in my mind as my favorite one Okay. Because normally you get a lot of this, you know, the congratulatory stuff, you know, well, working with Spielberg was fantastic. Oh, yeah, well, working with Tom Cruise was even more fantastic. And it's just this back and forth and the behind the scenes stuff. This is something that I think that especially as, you know, if you remember back when network television showed a lot of movies, you know, CBS, mm-hmm. NBC, you know, the yeah. ABC Monday Night Movie or whatever it was, you remember bad dubbing. Oh, totally, yeah. And I can't think of a film where I've seen a comparison like this has ever been done, but this made it to the DVD of basic instinct cool and it's a study in completely awful now <laughs> in, in order to truly get this you can actually go to youtube and listen and and see the whole thing because sometimes the visual is the best thing but in a lot of cases it's the audio it's 
this person doesn't sound at all like Michael Douglas. Let's have him dub his voice. And so uh, what it does is it just, all for four minutes, it plays the, the original scene followed by the TV overdub. Sweet. Over and over again. So here's that. Okay. How long were you dating him? I wasn't dating him. I was fucking him. How long were you dating him? I wasn't dating him. I was having sex with him. <laughs> Otherwise, get the fuck out of here. Otherwise, get the hell out of here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good my one. My sex life's actually pretty shitty since I stopped seeing you. My sex life's actually pretty shoddy since I stopped seeing you. <laughs> now, you till IA, I'm just your average, healthy, totally fucked up cop. And let me out of here. Please. Now, you till IA, I'm just your average, healthy, totally screwed up cop. And let me out of here. Please. You know, sometimes I can't tell shit from Shinola, Doc. <laughs> what was all that you just said? You know, sometimes I can't tell spit from Shinola, Doc. <laughs> what was all that you just said? Have you ever fucked on cocaine, Nick? Have you ever had sex on cocaine, Nick? I felt like someone had read my book and was playing a game. But it didn't hurt. No. Because you didn't love him. That's right. Even though you were fucking him. You still get the pleasure. Didn't you ever fuck anybody else when you were married, Nick? I felt like someone had read my book and was playing a game. But it didn't hurt. No. Because you didn't love him. That's right. Even though you had sex with him. You still get the pleasure. Didn't you ever sleep with anyone else when you were married, Nick? Stop writing me, man! I'll kick your fucking teeth hey. in! What's the problem? No problem, doctor. Here comes a shrink. Oh, well, just in time to save her favorite patient. Just fuck off, Marty! <laughs> Stop writing me, man! I'll kick your teeth hey. in! What's the problem? No problem, doctor. Here comes a shrink. Oh, just in time to save her favorite patient. Shove off, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked yourself, Shooter, you hear me? You are out! Take it easy. Cool it, take it easy. You screwed yourself, Shooter, you hear me? You are out! Take it easy. Like writing a book about killing a guy gets you off the hook for killing him. Good point. I don't understand. What are you talking about? What book? Private joke, asshole. Like writing a book about killing a guy gets you off the hook for killing him. Good point. I don't understand. What are you talking about? What book? Private joke, dumb dumb. <laughs> Say what do you want from me? Dumb dumb. How dare he? <laughs> what the fuck do you want from me, Catherine? Say what do you want from me, Catherine? What the hell do you want from me, Catherine? <laughs> Forgive me for asking, Hoss, and I don't mean to belabor the obvious. But why is it you got your head so far up your own ass? Forgive me for asking, Hoss, and I don't mean to belabor the obvious. But why is it you got your head so far up your own butt? <laughs> I think she's the fuck of the century. I think she's the bang of the century. You're fucked. Goddamn dumb son of a bitch, you fucked her. Goddamn you, I won. Next time I use a rubber. You had sex with her, didn't you? You damn dumb son of a fuck. You did her, didn't you? Oh, damn, you are one dumb son of a fuck. Next time I use a rubber. See, now you can say son of a bitch on TV. How could you yeah. fuck her? Guys, come on. How could you sleep with her? Guys, come on. How could you sleep I with her? I did a track on <laughs> Lieutenant Martin D for Dickhead Nelson. I.A. Dunn did a track on Lieutenant Martin D for Darkhead Nelson. <laughs> what? Number one. 
I don't remember how often I used to jerk off, but it was a lot. Number two, I wasn't pissed off my dad, even when I was old enough to know what he and mom were doing in the bedroom. Number three, I don't look in the toilet before I flush it. Number four, I haven't wet my bed for a long time. Number five, why are the two of you go fuck yourselves? I'm out of here. Number one, I don't remember how often I used to masturbate, but it was a lot. <laughs> Number two, I wasn't pissed off my dad, even when I was old enough to know what he and mom were doing in the bedroom. Number three, I don't look in the toilet before I flush it. Number four, I haven't wet my bed for a long time. Number five, why are the two of you go for shoot yourselves? I'm out of here. Oh, because that's so much better. Yeah. Well, mm. she got that magna cum laude pussy on her that done fried up your brain. Well, she got that magna cum laude body on her done fried up your brain. What? Yeah, well, you know, you can't say pussy on television, I guess. I guess so, but or still. Not then, anyway. That was amazing. It's pretty interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, the other good ones are uh, Schwarzenegger films, if you can find those. If, if you can find, like, the TV edits. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're fun. Because you can't get anybody that sounds remotely like him, and they don't even bother trying. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Michael Douglas has an extremely distinctive voice, and so anytime they try and do him at all, it doesn't even come close. Mm-hmm. But I, I find it pretty interesting. They couldn't even get anybody that sounded like Sharon Stone at all, and her voice isn't all that distinctive, really. Not really. I just like how the, a lot of them were computer-generated. It's not what it sounded like anyway. I think it's just I think it's just the way your ear is hearing it. They're not. Really? Yeah, they're not. Huh. It sounds very computer-generated. It sounds a bit computer-generated. I think the worst TV edit I've seen as far as language is once they showed a Pulp Fiction, the Tarantino film, on Fox at like oh 10 boy. o'clock at night on a Thursday. And, and why would anybody bother watching this version of that film? <laughs> you know? oh, no, I don't even know. But like anytime uh, Samuel L. Jackson had a line... Instead of like, what you doing, motherfucker? It's like, what you doing, mama jamma? What you doing, <laughs> cat's pajamas? What you doing? It's just that would actually be worth pulling up. And <laughs> yeah, see, that's probably on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure it <laughs> I'm is. Sure that's I what I said. Yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. But, uh, back to Basic Instinct with the characters. I mean, it's all about Sharon Stone as Catherine Tremell. Mm, and totally. had another actress played this part, like Rosie O'Donnell or something, it would not have worked. It Dude. <laughs> where did you get that where did you get what matt i was trying to think of the least likely person possible and michael douglas is such a a strong i don't know active actor he just like yells all the time he's a they'd be like whoa rosie o'donnell no way man i'm out well think of it though at the time of uh, that year a league of their own what did we just say it was like yeah, number exactly, 10 yeah. so mm. she was kind of you know getting her public notice there she was so Ugh. entirely possible yeah. but i mean okay think about it okay let's get somebody even close Let's say Madonna did it. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Right. Every, every film that Madonna's ever touched turns to shit, you know, almost instantly. So, yeah. Not really going to work. Davis. No. <laughs> Just God, no. Other, you know. Oh, God, no. People but, you know, them. speaking of, Susan Sarandon, maybe. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I think if she... Mm, Michelle Pfeiffer? Little... Maybe. I could see that. I yeah. could totally see Michelle Pfeiffer, actually. But, you know, hey, in the end... Sharon Stone got, got it. You got Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. All right. So what what did you like about her character? I mean, the whole movie's about her fucking with Michael Douglas, both uh, physically and mentally. She likes to play with his head, and you sort of see that in their scenes together. She likes to take her time. She takes her pauses. You can, It's like a, a cat with a ball of yarn. They keep on playing with it. Mm-hmm. She plays with all the different characters in the movie. I don't, she just seems to really be enjoying herself, and she holds a toe-to-toe with Michael Douglas which is uh, quite something considering he was a pretty big movie star at the time and she was a, a nobody, basically. 
I like I liked her character for those for those reasons as well. Um, just because of the fact that it was like a cat and mouse game between the two of them. That whatever she put forth, he would ante up and and like I'm gonna up one up you. But it was always like she always had the one up no matter what, and so it left the viewer kind of wondering now what is really going on with this character? What is really going on with her? As you had kind of explained at the beginning of the show, Robert, mm-hmm. you know. You know, she seems to, the entire film, have an air of mystery to her that she pulls off really well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the other characters, you can't really say that for. I mean, she's very, very, well, like Matt said, she's very solid and very confident the entire movie. And even there's a couple scenes where she sort of lets that slip. Um, the the death of um, what's her name, Roxy. Mm -hmm. That she's, you know, has this vulnerable side that all of a sudden you see, but even when you're watching it, she plays it off with a certain amount of confidence. So you're never quite sure here again, going back to what I was saying before, mm-hmm. where you're never really sure, is this all an act or is she actually broken up about it? Right. You know, because the more you watch the movie, the more it kind of feels like it go either way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you guys think of? Uh, I can't stand her. What did, what did you think of Jean Triplehorn as Beth Gardner? I try not to. Oh, my God. She's okay. I mean, I don't. you're going up against Sharon Stone. I don't know. There's not much she was given to do she was really annoying she gets fucked by michael douglas like that's all really yeah i don't know that's about it and shot yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really about it she, she's there basically for you know the physical abuse part and well actually she he he sort of roughs her up when he's uh she ends up uh walking into his apartment when he's just completely loaded one night mm-hmm. yep. and um so he kind of shoves her around and stuff so she's just kind of there to be abused so yeah, exactly. he can't really blame her for you know because she had been in um a couple of movies prior to this where she was actually picked at some point i if i remember correctly to be kind of a, an up-and-coming star and then all of a sudden bingo she's kind of playing second fiddle here a little you know quite a bit really oh yeah you know i mean it's really tough to i think go up against both the other two in terms of um you know just what they did with their roles mm-hmm. you know there are some lines that there, there's lines everywhere through this movie that that are delivered fairly awkwardly at times, and the more you watch it, the more you notice that. But that's almost sort of the um, the Paul Verhoeven uh, trademark in a way that you know. I mean, RoboCop, for instance, you know, one of his other movies is is complete cheese, but mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best science fiction movies there's ever been. So you know, well, what do you do? You just kind of roll with it. With with her character though, I didn't really. She, I, I sort of agree with you. I mean, there had to be somebody there. But I think they could have picked somebody better. Rosie O'Donnell. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Which would have added a whole different dynamic to that that sex scene with her and Michael Douglas, let me tell you. Uh. Well, yeah, you could have just probably cut that part. Well, it was funny because when Matt and I, we were talking about this last week and you had said, you know, you brought up the parenting or whatever. And you said, still to this day, I can't tell if he was like fucking her in the ass or like something. I'm like, what did you say? (laughs) (laughs) You do. I just I thought it was funny. Just kind of going back to that scene anyway. Um, yeah. So Rosie O'Donnell probably not the best choice if you were to keep that scene in. Fortunately, yeah. yeah. No, no. Yeah. No. Bad. Yeah. Really bad. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I don't like Jane Triplehorn. No. I, I kind of come to the conclusion after watching this. This is the second time I've watched this movie, and uh, I'm just not a fan. I saw her in like Mickey Blue Eyes. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant yeah. and uh, James Caan. Yeah. And I, she was okay. I mean, she was like, hey, the annoying, like, mafia daughter or whatever. But she's still, she's got, like, this quality about her that's just really, really annoying. And uh, so, yeah, I think you could have gotten anybody to play this part. <laughs> Almost anybody. Almost anybody. Well, not Rosie O'Donnell. Okay, we've already established that. I mean, there's so. other characters in the movie, but they're not 
worth much going into since this is such a plot-heavy movie, but I do want to mention I was a bit surprised to notice uh, Wayne Knight, or Newman from Seinfeld, oh, yeah, yeah. was in this for a little bit. Yeah, well, he was in it for like two seconds. Well, we need a guy to come in here and sweat and look uncomfortable. <laughs> and, you know, who's who better at the time than, than him? Exactly. You know, definitely. It, no, nobody seems more awkward no. than, mm-hmm. than him in, in certain types of scenes. Yeah. I, I would agree. I uh, kind of found that a little surprising, but then I wasn't surprised when he never like showed his face again. So, yeah. What Did, in the film? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. It was, was just having, like a little cameo. I was like, hey. Well, he wasn't showing his face in the film because he was having sex with Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Oh. But you know, when you stop and think about it, look at it this way: that guy got paid to be in what five minutes of a movie, and the five minutes he's in is the most well-known portion of the film. Yep. I mean, hands down. How do you figure? That, oh, well, because uh, of the... Yeah, the, okay, the, got the, it, got it, got it, got it. I forgot he was actually in the room. I just remember seeing him coming out of an office before they went into the room. That's where I first saw him. So that was where my first impression of him came in in the movie. Yeah, no, that's... I mean, if you were going to be in a scene in this movie, you want to be in the one... In that <laughs> one right there. Yeah. You know, because that's the defining scene. Can I tell you something that I didn't... I. I didn't understand the whole controversy when I first saw it the first time. I'm like, oh, so big deal. She like uncrosses her legs. And then I don't remember who I saw it with, but they were like, yeah, you saw her vag. And I was like, but no, I didn't. And then so I kind of like, I watched it again. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, all right, what's the appeal here? So I'm like staring at that area. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> See, early buzz on that movie got people in the theaters to do it. But yep. I've often wondered. Okay, and I'll freely admit to having done this. Okay, when that movie came out, I, I've had it on VHS, DVD, and um, later on a Blu-ray. I fully admit that when it came out finally on DVD and Blu-ray, I have gone frame by frame. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> well, yeah, you have to. Because she made such a big deal out of it later on. I mean, at the time when it was released, but also a lot more later on when she became Sharon Stone, you know, the movie superstar, you know. Then it was, you know, well, I didn't want to do that. You know, that was her, her big claim. You know, he, he made me do this. I, I didn't know they were going to keep that footage. Well, then don't shoot it in the first place. Put panties on. Yeah. You know, I mean, that right there, I, I've always thought sort of just blew her argument away. If you didn't think that this was an integral part of this film, you would have dressed the part at the time, see? <laughs> and you wouldn't have to go, I mean, because that, that's method acting right there. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've gone frame by frame, and I've often wondered, these uh, connected DVD players, will there be, like, data that we can collect to find out just how many people have done that and in which films? And I guarantee you, this would be one of them. Oh, I'm sure. And people have stopped me. And people like my dad figured out frame advance on their DVD player. That's because, frightening. <laughs> hey, some, you got to do it with something. Oh, my gosh. I mean, back on videotapes, when there were reports people would watch over and over again, the tracking on the, on the uh, VHS would get all scrambled. And so we'd see kind of snow on the screen during yeah. certain scenes like that. But with DVD, you don't really have that other than a few fingerprints on the disc. But uh, it is one of those scenes with the uncrossing of the legs where you have to look for it. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know if I should be embarrassed to say that. Yes, I looked for it this time. Did you find it? I did. Okay. It was, uh, I, could, I, I understood why I missed it the first time. Yeah. But you, bl- you blinked right then. That that's what it was. Oh yeah, sure. That's what it was. <laughs> no, honestly, I was expecting to see like a hairy bush, and it wasn't there. I mean, no, you know, really. It, it really wasn't. So I was looking for something that, yeah, it just wasn't there. So at any rate, famous scene, the most famous from Basic Instinct. Oh yeah, totally. Although the beginning has a really famous scene too, where she's having sex with someone, uh, a rock star, and she stabs him with a nice pick. During that was, climax. That was really brutal. Yeah. 
because I think the ice pick went through his eye, if I'm not mistaken. It looked like it did anyway, or the blood or something like hit the top part of his eye or like went through his eye and his nose or something. It's it, uh, I, I can't remember I how many times remember. she stabs him with it. Oh god, it's like a lot. But certainly the way that shot and the way her hand moves holding the ice pick, it reminds me again of Hitchcock with Psycho. Mm-hmm. In that nothing the music is the same, but mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of the music, the music by uh Jerry Goldsmith has a neat little theme it plays for Catherine Trammell that sounds slinky like a snake. Is that the sample we have? Yes. Okay. I'll edit out <laughs> the part where I say, is that the sample we have? So that piece of music they use over and over again in the movie, and I think it's pretty effective. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I think it it fits her character and kind of isolating that music and kind of picturing her and her the way that her character is and uh, her wardrobe and everything, completely appropriate. Wouldn't you agree? Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. The production of the entire movie, just the production value of it, and including the soundtrack, is amazing, Mm -hmm. I think. You know, a few of the weird wardrobe things we've already discussed aside, but... Yeah, I mean, how how often do you get to see? Um, yeah, there, there's car chases. There's it's in San Francisco, which is is very scenic, mm-hmm. and it it looks like it it costs some money. I mean, it, it has a certain amount of class to it, a certain amount of style, and the the soundtrack totally reflects that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would agree. Do you you like the soundtrack? I do. Although, I mean, this was made in the '90s, and you can certainly tell it in that scene where they're in the club. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. that techno <laughs> music and the clothes and everything. Yeah, there's that <laughs> in there. But. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything w- within this movie that surprised you as far as the plot is concerned? I mean, Robert, you said you've watched it like 30, 40 times. Mm-hmm. Are you finding like new and different things? Mm. Uh, both of you. I mean, how many times have you seen this movie? Uh, probably three times. So Okay, so. Not that many. We've got three and we've got 30. And two for me. Um, let's just discount myself. Are, are you noticing anything new and or different when you've watched this, Matt, and also to Robert as well? Um, yeah. A couple of them. One of the things I've noticed, I actually um, went and verified just this past time. Hmm. Um, and actually, I don't think it was that I... I put two and two together the last time I watched it, just okay. you know, in, in preparation for doing this. Um, the time prior to that I saw it, I actually watched it in HD. Uh, mm-hmm. This last time I didn't. And one of the things that's always bothered me about, about the movie, and one thing I always felt that was left sort of uh, unproven, was trying to determine who actually kills Johnny Boz, the rock star guy, in the beginning of the movie. Mm. Because a lot of people will walk away from it thinking that the whole thing was a setup and that the ice pick that's at the end of the film that she reaches for is just sort of a just a thing to, to sort of keep you guessing. Yeah, because it, it does with me, yeah. Right. And, and then maybe it was um, his, his, uh, the psychiatrist was wearing a wig or, or whatever and actually performed that entire murder. When you watch it in HD, there is a, um, I noticed that there's a, a scar actually on her body hmm. that you notice again later on Sharon Stone. No way. Yeah. Hmm. 
that I, you know, and it, it's stuff like that that, you know, well, yeah, you, you'd have to watch the movie a few times or be, I don't know, pretty perceptive, I suppose, which I'm not. Usually, usually I'm too engrossed in, in what I'm doing to, I usually don't notice things like, you know, wardrobe screw ups or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But this I finally noticed. And, you know, went and, you know, looked it up. And evidently it's a well-known thing. I had never looked up any of the, you know, trivia or facts or whatever about the movie before. Um, but, yeah, it's evidently it's a well-known thing. Wow. And so it, it's sort of, well, bingo. You know, and one of the things mentioned, um, I think it was on IMDb or it was another site, a fan site of the, of the movie, was is that, you know, if you actually caught this in the theater on a big screen initially, there was no reason to ever really watch the, the rest of the movie because you sort of, you know pretty immediately who did it you know that, that it was her and you know there's there's no guesswork involved oh my yeah because I, you actually see the scar on her on sharon stoney when you know it's sharon stone fairly early in the movie hmm oh interesting yeah and that's just one of the last things i noticed about I've, I've you know i've picked up stuff along the way like i said it i think it's a movie that actually has a lot of depth that people don't give it credit for Hmm. matt I mean, this is a movie that's pretty easy for people to pass off as oh it's just about the sex scenes but it's very dense there's a lot of things going on and it's difficult to walk into this movie and pretend like you don't know that Sharon Stone is one of the killers or might be the only killer or just because of how big it is in pop culture. And um, I always wonder what it would have been like for me if I could have seen that movie without having any idea who what the Sharon Stone character was. Because I saw uh, parodies of Basic Instinct in movies like uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1 right. or, or <laughs> Mad Magazine or something before seeing the actual movie itself. Right. So that always colors your perception. But it, like any good mystery, the more you see it, the more you pick up on different things. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I, I like it for that reason. You know, if it was just cheap and, and tawdry, there wouldn't be a plot. It just would be Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone fucking bent over a sofa or something the whole time. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that there was, um, how did you feel about the murder weapon? I mean, because that's, when you think of basic instinct, you think of the lake crossing scene, but you also think ice pick. Why do you think that the, that Vanderhoeven or whatever, Verhoeven. Verhoeven, Verhoeven, why do you think that that, like an ice pick was chosen? Best guess, because it's an, it's something that a lot of people have, but it's also something that, you would equate, at least at the time, I think you would equate it with um, sort of more the jet set crowd, you know, richer people. I mean, do you own an ice pick? Nope. Matt, do you own an ice pick? Nope. No, most people don't. Uh. <laughs> but people who have excessive amounts of funds, rich people, they will just because it's one more thing you can buy. And, you know, mm. how many of them actually sit and, you know, stab ice? Well, who knows, really? But I think it's one of those things that, that some people in. You know, sort of higher society just do because mm. I don't know what, what they can I, I guess you know maybe they, the ice maker is too much work for them who knows but I think there's that I, I think it's it's supposed to be telling of her sort of um, because it's established later that she's sort of a trust fund kid mm-hmm. and I think it's supposed to be telling of her sort of place in life that you know here's a stabbing weapon that something that could be used but it's not you know why use a steak knife everybody has a steak knife um why use a butcher knife everybody's done a, bu- a butcher knife that's been done you know what can you use to kill somebody that you may find in certain households that hasn't been used yet mm. and so i i think that's probably why it's a good best yeah. guess and i think that's the key is that it isn't something just like a, a machete or a kitchen knife or a steak knife it's something you've seen in so many other movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, since Basic Instinct, have movies used an ice pick to kill people? Or could you even do it because it's so entrenched 
in Basic Instinct. I think as a weapon. I think you'd have a hard time doing it. I can't think of any, but well, except for with parodies, I've, it's actually yeah. been used as a parody, as a device, par- you know, parody device quite a few times since. So, I and, but I think people just naturally go back to this movie because of it. Whereas if you look at something like, um, well, to take the other one of the other Michael Douglas movies, it's no different than you know, boiling a rabbit. You know, you don't want that thing that's going to completely turn off your 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 audience. In that case, you know, like you know, you boil a cat. Well, a lot of people in the audience probably have cats. A dog. A lot of people have dogs. Hmm. You know, and plus, how are you going to boil a dog? You know, they're a lot bigger. But like a <laughs> rabbit is. Wow, you know, a kid could be attached to a rabbit, but most people don't have a rabbit. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to completely alienate that audience. They're going to get the intended effect without going. Ooh, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. Oh, which movie was this so I know to avoid it? Fatal Attraction. <laughs> Fatal Attraction. Oh, yes. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. And if you want to see a movie where people do something awful to a cat, uh, the movie Apt Pupil, they throw a cat into an oven. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's not fun. Nope. Okay. Well, what are your... Um, I, I don't know where we may be with time or anything, but um, do you have a lot of other closing things or like what were your feelings and thoughts about about this as an overall map? As a overall movie, I, I enjoyed Basic Instinct. And however, you know, there's so many things going on and you do feel bad for uh, Michael Douglas in this movie, his character Nick, because so many of his friends and um, partners get killed off throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost everybody does. I mean, the yeah. chief guy and then his friend Gus, who I thought was great, actually. We didn't really touch on him a lot at all, but uh, I thought he was a very jovial character. Sort of a heavy set. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that was wearing the cowboy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. His friend that was, see, that's one thing I didn't understand in the movie. And I guess I'm either going to have to talk to you, Robert, about this, like after the show, or I don't know how much we want to give away as far as like little things that I've personally noticed and watching this is that when she is, oh, she's done writing her book, Catherine is, mm-hmm. and she rips the paper off the printer and Michael Douglas reads it or Nick reads it as it's, it's going. And then the, it actually happens. So how the hell was it the other lady that was supposedly had done it if Catherine was the one that wrote it and just printed it off her computer? There's the whole connection between those two characters that was explained with them going to school. Yeah, I, I get that, but how is it? I don't, I'm still failing to understand part of it. It's, honestly, I think you'd probably be best suited watching that part again. Okay. Because it, I, I thought that was actually pretty obvious. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Just that, you know, who's writing, who is she actually writing about herself or this other person? Uh, you see what I mean? Hmm. Okay. And and so that, that turns back to where, like, the debate starts to come in. Okay. But I don't know. The Michael Douglas character, I think, starts out really strong. But after a while, it, he starts falling for it, and he exposes this, like, almost completely weak side in a way where he's just kind of, you know, th- that whole scene where he walks into the bathroom and yeah. meets Roxy and starts talking, well, doesn't meet her, but starts talking to her. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, this, this really, you know, all of a sudden he's, you know, feeling his oats just completely, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, just totally. But then as she starts to start to, you know, slip away from him again later on in the movie, he becomes really desperate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole, you know, I'm turning into drinking and all this. And he becomes a train wreck after a while when you start, re- you know, really getting further and further into the story. Something mm-hmm. about Michael Douglas to me always looks so slimy. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. His, uh, it's the makeup on his face or whatever it is. But it's exactly not just hair. that. It's, yeah, the hair, all the grease and the hair comb back. 
But I also, you look at Michael Douglas and you can think this man could never play the part of like a poor person in a movie. Where, you know, they tried to have him to be a nerd and falling down and that didn't really work. Yeah. Mm-mm. And he has to be in a business suit. I think if you maybe took a look at him now and kind of did it, uh, you might actually come See, I'm, close. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's just the Gordon Gecko thing that we're so that's used to. That's kind of what I'm wondering, yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's, that's just true. become like the, the icon thing. Because if you, if you go back and watch the original Romancing the Stone now, he plays that weird sort of, um, like, I, I call it like the affordable Indiana Jones exactly, role. Exactly, yeah. Very well. I mean, it's it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. And he, but he plays it really well, and he doesn't seem. And I'm not sure if it's maybe because you know, obviously, I saw that before Wall Street. If maybe that jaded my view of it, and so it's just sort of stuck in this time for me now. That that's okay. That character worked, but yeah, I understand what you mean. It, it's hard to imagine him doing anything where he's not really sort of well to do. Yeah, and even this, I mean, he's yeah, he's a detective. But, you know, he's living in San Francisco and has a fairly good size apartment. And, you know, that, that means he, he makes more than what the three of us put together four times over. You know? <laughs> totally. You know, hey, well, being a cop, you know, he was buying cocaine. You know, they established that, mm-hmm. you know, and drinking a lot. So he's got to have a decent income. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And knowing that, well, he <laughs> that whole after the car chase scene and then you see him again driving his car, it's like. Did you get it repaired or something? Because you had to have done some serious damage to your car. <laughs> and the fact that you're driving it right now is a little scary. But, uh, yeah, he, he seems a pretty well-to-do cop. Almost kind of like a, uh, well, like a Mel Gibson cop kind of thing. Not completely destitute, and but not living it up like Catherine Trammell. No, yeah, but she was loaded. Oh, I know. Completely loaded. Completely, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was just a different kind of loaded. Exactly. <laughs> and she smokes like crazy. That's the one thing I wish I had paid attention to. And actually, this past time when I was watching it, because I'm efforting to quit, mm-hmm. I've noticed more than ever how many times she smokes in this movie. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. You know, you went through life, you know, watching this on occasion every now and then. And it never struck me how many times she does. But yeah, God, she smokes a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, nonstop. And I mean, she'll have two or three a scene in some places. She does. I think mm-hmm. in the leg crossing scene, she has two. She's yeah. got a couple, but then there was another one where yeah, I noticed that it was she was constantly lighting it. I don't recall what scene that was, but in movies, even it feels stupid to say back then for a movie from '92. But in older movies, people did smoke a lot more than they do now, mm-hmm. and um, it's something that you might not notice. But then when you're looking for it, you really do notice that she smokes a lot. I believe Michael Douglas in this smokes a lot. Yeah, he has that um, 15, 20 minutes at the beginning of the movie where he does nothing, and then well, he um, gets that shot or two at that bar, mm-hmm. yep. and it's all downhill from there. And he's smoking almost constantly. Wow. Indoors, outdoors, whenever he can fit one in. <laughs> it's great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm kind of reading through some of the... I See, I like doing that. I like reading the trivia for movies. And uh, to get an R-rated version, uh, the director had to recut the movie a total of 14 times. That's probably not too unusual, though. No. You know, I, especially with Paul Verhoeven movies, unfortunately. I mean, that, that's that's kind of a kind of a trademark. I there. mean, if you think basic instinct is, instinct is uh, extreme, you can watch some of his really older European stuff, like a Soldier of Orange, or he did this thing called Flesh and Blood with Rutger Hauer. That's this fantasy movie that has, uh, oh, what's her name? Some actress getting raped in it constantly. Hmm. So he's, yeah. not, he's not afraid from uh, sexual material. 
Yeah, no, and that's one of the things that says that uh, he was so intent on making the sex scenes as explicitly as the censors would allow that he showed the uh, study executives very detailed storyboards depicting what he'd had in mind uh, just to avoid uh, later discussions about the graphic nature of the love scenes. Did you enjoy Michael Douglas's butt in this movie? You'll get to see it quite a bit. Uh, you know, I, I guess it was okay. It wasn't anything that I was completely focused and or fixated on or drooling or like, <gasps> oh my God, it's Michael Douglas's ass. No. And I didn't really, honestly, I didn't really pay attention other than nice nice butt i mean it was a passing thought yeah it was a passing thought it's just kind of like oh he's naked but it's just like oh it's, it's like fine for you know I, I, not that i want to see his junk or anything because <laughs> it's like but you pretty much see like all of sharon stone it's like there's that scene where he's like going down on her and you're like how much further is this camera going to be going down or how much uh, how appropriately placed is his head at this point where you're not... I mean, you saw her badge. Why can't we see his thing? I have no <laughs> idea why we're talking about this. I don't okay. know. Whatever. You just whatever. went there. That, that's great. I did. No, that's that's a um, fairly common Hollywood thing, especially back then, though, then and earlier, was is that um, naked females are okay, fully naked males, very uncommon. Or if you did something with full frontal nudity of a male... It limited everything else you could do in the rest of the movie because it's sort of like a point system in a way where, okay, we're going to shoot for an R rating, okay? But full frontal male nudity is out of 100 points is 95. So you can have that and two uses the word shit and nah. you're done. Okay, well, well, this, it's, you know, hey, you've got bits and pieces and three frames of, of you know, vagina. Uh-huh. But that three frames is, is only like 13 points in the whole scheme of things. It's not that big of a deal, you see. It's so, vagina. So you can still have, you know, 18 stabbings and so on and so forth, you know. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, it's all just, you know, kind of a, a trade-off, I think. All right. I don't really agree with a trade-off, but whatever. Well, you don't have to. Okay. Yeah. That's that's why you could just, you know, just forgo the whole thing and just go get porn, I guess. But let's face it, it's not going to have the plot. Nope. And no. it's not going to, yeah, it won't have the plot, you're right. All right. No. Fine. It, it'll have no budget and... You'll get that, and that's about it. Okay. Did you just discover this? I did. Okay. Thank you. I just thought I'd throw that I'm going to go think about that for a minute. Okay. Process? Mm. Yes. Hmm. I'm processing still. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm processing. Yeah. <laughs> so this was, what did we establish? It's almost 20 years old. Yes. Yes. And um, for probably what? The, the sequel then came out, what was that, four years ago, five years ago? Four years ago, I think. I think like 06, maybe. Yeah, so... 06, 07. Between this movie and that, I figure what? That, that's 15 years. Yeah. We, they were looking to make a sequel for almost a full 15 years. Mm-hmm. Or Sharon Stone was, I should say, because yeah. nobody else involved really wanted to make the sequel, as far as I understand it. I mean, it's surprising they didn't go and uh, make a sequel sooner after the huge success of Basic Instinct. Because you had, you know, it's almost like a female Hannibal Lecter. You think they would have capitalized... On that, that, oh, that she, doesn't, she doesn't eat people, mm-hmm. but she might kill a few. It's like she's very cougar esque. Uh, yeah. So, Basic Instinct Two is a uh, two thousand six. I'm looking at the IMDb rating. No, oh. no, just just leave it for now. Okay. Yeah, we'll be talking about that, that next week on the sequel cast. If you want to get in touch with us, go to uh, Facebook, look sequel cast, Twitter at sequel cast. Um, Sabrina on Twitter, your at Sabrina at PDX. Sabrina PDX. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, so until next time, this is Matt. And I'm Sabrina. And thanks, Robert, for joining us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. It's basic instinct. How could I pass it up? That's what we figured. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us.